you want to learn more about effective management, head over to madsingers.com and sign up for my free management training. Welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast from madsingers.com, where entrepreneurs and business managers learn and share. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Today, I'm joined by my friend, Mike Jackness. Welcome, Mike. Hello, hello, Mads. It's uh, good to finally be on this. We've talked lots in person, but never on the podcast. So this should be fun. Indeed, indeed. And I'm excited to talk management as always. But just before we kick off, Mike, could you give the audience a little bit of background to yourself and how you ended up where you are right now? Oh, man, it's it's never a little bit anymore because I've been getting older and older and <laughs> the, the story gets longer and longer. But, um, you know, I, I was an entrepreneur at a very young age. You know, I came from an entrepreneurial family. I started my first business when I was 18. And uh, I did have a, a corporate job for seven years. So I uh, did that for a bit as well. Went put on a suit and tie every day and was uh, on the executive team, but always was really an entrepreneur at heart. And so after five or six years of being in that corporate gig, I, I started getting that uh, shiny object syndrome and started my own business again. Uh, and it's been 18 years since I left that that job, and uh, the rest is history, as they say. Um, mostly been doing affiliate marketing uh, and e-commerce throughout those years, and so kind of split half and half. Really, the first large chunk of it was just doing various affiliate marketing, SEO, content marketing through you know affiliate links, and then uh, at some point. I decided to turn one of our affiliate sites into an e-commerce site and been doing that for, for quite a while. And and now some days I wonder what the hell I was thinking because <laughs> managing inventory is a, a lot more difficult than just managing affiliate links. And uh, along the way, I've had teams of various sizes from our peak of 66 people back in the heyday of our peak of our affiliate stuff uh, to today. I think we have 24, 25 people total on staff right now. Solid. Solid. Well, yeah, I mean, business is really a one-way street, so uh, that's peaks and tops. <laughs> and uh, it's, uh, I mean, I think people going into entrepreneurship and building their own business and expecting it to just be a uphill, easy, step-by-step thing, and they're probably going to get disappointed a lot. But uh, Yeah, without a yeah. doubt. I mean, I think that, especially if you haven't done it before, I mean, I've certainly been in this position, and so... Uh, you know, I'm, I'm talking about myself at the same time. I'm talking about everybody else out there. Um, but you know, the tendency is you, you're excited about something, right? You want to start a business doing whatever it is, and uh, the excitement often leads you down a path of thinking about all the exciting things, and very rarely do you think about uh, the non-exciting stuff, the non-sexy stuff. And you know, there's that saying like, you know what you know, you know what you don't know, but you don't know what you don't know. Um, and in business, those that third category is often the thing that can kind of kick your butt. And, and a lot of it, you're you're just learning along the way. Like there is no way to have previous experience uh, being a CEO of a hundred person, two hundred person, whatever company, uh, you know, unless you just happen to come from that world. Uh, and so you're going to learn along the way what it's like hiring your first person, and when you promote your first manager. Uh, what you deal with when you have your first like sexual harassment suit or your first person suing you or uh, you know whatever whatever it might be you know all these things uh, are pretty much in the category of not if they're going to happen but when they're going to happen and 
almost certainly they've never happened to you before. So you have to learn how to deal with it as they come. Yeah, yeah 100%. People steal from you. People uh, trusted employees not being so trusted. And yeah, stuff happens. Stuff happens, unfortunately. Yeah. So I mean, I, I, I think one of the biggest things recently, Mike, have been this whole pandemic and so on, right? And businesses have obviously gone through that in very different ways. I mean, luckily, yeah. at least from our side, Luckily, a lot of online businesses have not been hit as hard as people running a restaurant or whatever, right? Right, but yeah. How, how did you get around the whole pandemic and what happened to you, you guys? Yeah, I mean, it's been interesting. I guess let's just start first with what happened with our business overall, and then we can talk about the people component. Um, as you mentioned, like if we owned a restaurant, you know, we would have been up the creek without a paddle. Um, we do sell products online, e-commerce stuff. Uh, I have friends that uh, were just as much up the creek. Uh, for instance, one of my really good friends sells uh, packing cubes and travel accessories. Well, there was basically no need for those products any longer. It had no bearing with the fact that he was an online business or not. I mean, his business just still went to zero. Um, we were pretty fortunate that we own multiple brands, which is something that I don't necessarily advocate for because when you have too many businesses, it's hard to... Uh, run them all well. But in this case, it helped us tremendously because we were diversified. So some some of our products kind of went to zero, some of them skyrocketed, which then brought in their own set of challenges. But overall, uh, in terms of sales numbers, we, we did okay. Uh, the other ancillary problems we didn't quite do so okay, you know. So I mean, think of things like shipping prices skyrocketed. Amazon uh, and other fulfillment companies were having a hard time receiving inventory. So even if you had stuff, you couldn't quite sell it. They were raising their fees quite a bit. Um, everything shifted to online, so everyone was pouring more and more money into uh, online ads and things of this nature. Uh, so it was a very difficult and turbulent time, uh, just like with anything else in business. I think that. Um, you, know, you can hem and haul and complain about it, or you can just immediately take action and realize that there's nothing you can do about it and figure out the best way to deal with your new set of circumstances. And, and that basically is how I felt the last three years have gone or two and a half, whatever it's been. It's been, it feels like it's been a couple of decades, um, but I think it's been two and a half, three years. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's been a bunch of just, dealing with the punches as they come. Uh, and then the people component was another whole thing we can we can get into. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I think fundamentally, I mean, if you want to age fast, entrepreneurship is definitely a, <laughs> right. definitely I mean, a great way to go. Right? When, when we first met each other, we had, we both had these beautiful heads of hair that were not gray. And, and now we have, uh, between you and I, we might get a full head of hair together and <laughs> the grays, nothing we can do about that. But yeah, I mean, it, it is it is one of those things. And I should say, I mean, it, honestly, even if it wasn't for COVID specifically, I mean, COVID was obviously different because it, it hit the whole environment and it hit everyone to some degree mm-hmm. in some way, right? Yeah. But, but even as an entrepreneur, like even without COVID, like those kind of things still happen, right? Of like course. to your business, yep. those kind of things still happen. And I think that's that's definitely what most people underestimate the most. Um but I think from a management standpoint specifically, right? And how, how do you prepare for it? How how do you how do you put yourself in a situation to actually deal with some of these difficult 
difficult issues that you that you mentioned earlier. Yeah, I mean, in terms of COVID specifically, I mean, we were woefully unprepared for for that. I mean, I had never dealt with a pandemic in my lifetime. Uh, the thought of closing our office down at almost a moment's notice and having to to deal with that uh, was something that just never entered our mind. Uh, and oftentimes in business, you know, actually all the times in business, it, all the things that have always knocked us off of our our pedestal uh, or been the thing that's like kind of wrecked our business, there's always a thing that's out of our control. You know, I think that you know, we've done a, a really good job over the years of anything that we can control. I, I'll, I'll work harder than the next guy. I'll plan better than the next guy. I'll just continue to to, to work mm-hmm. on something to a point where uh, you know we're, we're as prepared as we can be, but the things that you can't prepare for, whether it's you know a Google update or Amazon changing their way of doing things, or a recession, or interest rates, or a pandemic, are often the things that um, can really screw business up. We've also had legal changes and other things like that happen. Uh, some laws passed in other businesses that we had that we just weren't it kind of caught us off guard. And so usually those things are the things that that get you. Um, and, and certainly managing people through the pandemic uh, was quite difficult. And we had, I, I think we kept the, the, the tires on the bus, the wheels on the bus for quite a while there. And eventually uh, a couple of years into it, like we just really, really felt the ramifications of it. Yeah. yeah and it's, I mean, it's difficult, right? Because particularly when you build a great team and you have a lot of great staff, right? Like starting to let go of people, for example, is definitely difficult, right? But reality is sometimes, and again, it obviously depends on your financial status and how the company's doing, but, you know, sometimes you have no choice. And uh, yeah. I mean, one, one thing is when you have a poor performer and let them go, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's typically hard enough for most people. But when you actually have great people that you have to let go due to external circumstances, that's... Yeah. It's tough. Obviously. I mean, we've definitely been through that before. Um, that business I mentioned had 66 employees at its peak. Uh, you know, the U.S. government had passed a law in the middle of the night uh, in Congress making online gaming illegal. We were mostly in online gaming um, affiliates, and we had a lot of people, bunch of people, go as a result of that. Um, and this go around, we were starving for people, so we weren't trying to let anybody go, but we did have a bunch of people leave on their own accord because I felt like we weren't a good place to work any longer, which was very difficult for me personally, um, because you know I'm very invested in people and probably more emotionally invested than I should be. Uh, and it was just a, a very difficult period uh, to go through. I, I, I think we're on the back end of that now, uh, but certainly uh, it was a big wake-up call. Yeah. yeah. Never fun. Never fun. How... Um... I mean, so this was specifically pandemic, right? I, I think for me, definitely the yeah. biggest game in town is consistently people, right? So what, what do you guys typically do to to find great people and make sure that, you know, the people you bring on board is the right ones for your business? Yeah, I mean, we are uh, slow to hire and quick to fire is kind of the, you know, the the buzz phrase you hear a lot out there. We're, we're very much believers in that. And what that really means in practice is just putting an inordinate amount of effort into the interview process. You know, we we have a, I think like four step, four phase kind of interview process from just the initial resumes where you filter stuff out with a simple 
you had to respond to this resume or, or this job offer with X, Y, Z in the subject line, just to try to quickly filter out the, the worst of the worst junk uh, to having people do personality tests to actually doing a work type test, uh, interviewing with multiple people on the team, and then finally interviewing with me uh, before we hire them. Um, and anybody that we hire uh, is on a, a six, six month probationary period uh, when they first come in the door. Uh, and everyone knows this now. Um, and so it's not uh, as big of a culture shock if we have to let somebody go. Um, we've been fortunate that, you know, I think we're at something like a 90% success rate uh, over the last quite a long time uh, of, of keeping the people that we actually do end up hiring because we, we do put so much effort into uh, into that interview process. And so we're, we're saying no way more than we're saying yes. Um, probably there are times where we're saying no to people that would have ultimately been great employees, um, but hopefully we're saying no to a lot of people who wouldn't have been good employees and wouldn't have been good fit. Uh, no matter how hard you try, uh, once you hire someone, once they're in the door, once other people get to meet them, uh, even if they're clearly a horrible employee, um, it will rattle everybody when they get let go. And and so we try to minimize that. Yeah, yeah and you're, you're totally right, right? I mean, it, it is... It is this process. A lot of time, people are like, "Oh, yeah, but why are you not putting these people, and why are you not including these people? Because they might be good." But the whole the whole thing is that, uh, I mean, work wise, there's always a lot of potential out there, right? There's always a lot of people out there that you can hire. And fundamentally, the way we look at the interview process and recruitment process is very simple. It's it's always about avoiding failure if you possibly can because the most yep. expensive for your company is is avoiding those failures right not just i mean as you said there's the human aspect to it where if someone's letting go let go around people you know they're like oh you know is my job still safe and you know how am i they let this person go i thought they were okay obviously other employees don't necessarily see and understand the performance of an individual of, of yep. every individual in a team right but, but but that that whole concept is is something that you have to be very careful with, right? Now, at, we, at the uh, same, yeah. So I was going to say we had a situation early in, in the very beginning of this year. Uh, we let we let an employee go who had been with us for about a year and six or seven months, who was doing just an awful job. I mean, and he had been warned over and over again through every performance evaluation. There were several other things that happened. It's kind of a long story. We don't need to get all into everything, but we let him go. And he was great at marketing himself and, and convincing everyone else that we were the bad guys, right? And so it's the, the repercussions of these things can be extreme. And we actually had like eight other people kind of follow him out the door over the next few months because uh, they all believe that that we treated him unfairly and that they could be next, um, which is, is just really frustrating. I mean, you're always having to deal with these types of consequences and uh, things you have to be thinking about every step along the way. And I mean, it sucks to be, you know, <laughs> scared of your own employees, but, uh, and, and what might happen when you do something to somebody, but you better, uh, have thought through all the ramifications uh, before you pull the trigger and, and let someone go. Yeah. And most importantly, I, again, prepare as much as you can. I mean, there'll always be, as you said, just mentioned, right? Like there'll always be situations you can't deal with, but that the clear expectations is up front, the clearer your feedback is, the better you are, right? I, yeah. I always say when 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 people walk into the conversation and, and get fired, if they're not expecting it, 
you're not doing a good job as a manager. And it happens constantly when I see that, you know, people go into this last conversation and they're not expecting it at all. And they're literally blown away and they're like, well, what's wrong? And why am I getting fired? And all those kind of things, right? And if it's not ultra clear, if people are not literally expecting to walk into the room to get fired, you have not made clear enough as a business owner, as a manager to them, uh, how poor their performance is and how that performance affects the business, right? Because if you have, they will be expecting to get fired. Okay. So what do you do, Mads, when you've uh, done all that and they're still <laughs> they're still surprised? Because that was kind of the situation we were at. It's uh, yeah. it's not the first time it's happened, but it, it's it is definitely rare. I mean, normally people are pretty cognizant and understand when it gets to that phase that they've played the game as long as they could. They finally kind of got caught. Uh, they got what's coming to them. But then you have the person that refuses to take responsibility for themselves uh, and is still surprised that this is happening. Yeah, I mean, all, all you can do is <laughs> is your best, right? So in, yeah. in the end of the day, like you, you, the options you have is making sure that that have been made very clear, to them, right? Now, some roles in business, your KPIs are very straightforward. They're very easy. They're very, you know, if you don't hit that number, you know, mm-hmm. not good enough, we'll need to let you go. Some roles that can be a little bit different, right? Um, there's a lot of soft roles. Like we, we've had a couple of times with graphic designers, and, you know, graphic design is very, it's not necessarily a black and white thing. Right? Yeah, so it's very subjective. Of, exactly. So we've had yeah. a couple of times where we've had to talk with a person about performance. And, you know, initially they were great, but then, you know, over time they kind of started slacking. And it was very difficult to put a, you know, this is the one thing you have to do. Because they were churning out the work, as in they were delivering. Right. But the, qual- the quality was not where it should be and where it used to be. And that was very hard to, from a performance standpoint, address, right? Because it's like, you know, we, we basically set up a process and we said, hey, you know, we need X amount of designs that your manager approves, right? Um, and obviously the person were like, oh, well, you're just harassing me. I do the same designs, the same quality as I've always been and so on, right? Uh, so, so we've definitely had some difficult situations like that. Now, luckily, most jobs are a little bit more, let's call it uh, straightforward in terms of performance mm-hmm. measurement and so on, right? So when you have performance measurements and when you have guidelines, again, set as clear goals as you possibly can, right? Make sure with people, doesn't matter if it's new people. I mean, what, what we typically do with brand new people is you you set them a very clear goal out of the gate and you say, you know, your first three months or what, however long is a trial period, you know, our goal for you in this period is get you from X to Y. And over that time, you know, like even for yourself, just giving yourself an actual checkpoint to go in and see, okay, it's two months down the road is this new person actually performing, right? That That is so helpful. And it shows them very, very clearly, this is where I need to be. And it makes it very, very black and white if they're there or if they're not there, right? And that's that's one thing that I've used both in the corporate world and, and as an entrepreneur, that, that is really, really helpful, right? Because honestly, by nature, I am very conflict avoiding um, and, you know, sometimes it's easier to sit and think, oh, you know, he'll probably get there. She'll probably get there. And, you know, eventually they'll they'll figure it out. But reality is when you have to sit down with yourself and you have to say, okay, three months is up. This was the goal. Are they there? Yes and no. That at least 
forces you to take a very, very close look and say, you know, if they are extremely close, am I making an exception? Am I making an exception for the right reason? Uh, but the fundamental question that I learned to ask myself is, if this person was to resign today, would there be any relief, any feeling of relief in me? Now, here's the thing. If anyone of your employees get your feeling of relief if they would resign, you're not doing the right thing. Because if you get relief as a, a feel relief as an employee uh, resign, they should probably not do, be in your business and you need to take the right action as a, as a manager or as a business owner, right? Yeah, definitely. So, so that's one of the big ones that, uh, and I've been there. I mean, I've, I've been there when I've had employees walking in as a poor performer and said, oh, you know, I'm, I'm giving up. And, you know, sometimes it's through a process and, and you know, you just because people don't perform for two minutes doesn't necessarily mean you should let them go, right? But, but um, and, and this is the thing, like often what happens is when people are not performing well uh, and you tell them, they often see the signs on the door. Right. So a lot of the time they will actually come into you and say, Hey, you know, I have a feeling I'm not cut out for this job. It's not going the way I expected. And I think I should maybe look for something else. And that that's significantly more likely to actually happen. Right. But the whole point is don't sit around and wait for that. Uh, if people realize they're not performing and leave, that's that's okay. But don't sit around and wait for that to happen because a lot of people will not. Right. For mm-hmm. a lot of people around the world, it's a question of you know, I have a job, and even even with people who hate their job, like you see so many people around the world that literally don't like the job they have, but they would rather spend their life complaining about the job than actually putting in the effort to find a new one, right? So it's important, it's very important to take the right steps, but again, you want to make sure that you give people a fair opportunity to deliver what they need to deliver, and you need to make it very, very clear to them what that is. Yeah, Absolutely. So, you know, you were talking a little bit about COVID and COVID challenges earlier. Uh, I'm curious, like how, how things developed for you. I mean, so we were an entirely work at the office company. Uh, I was really big on that. I thought that, uh, you know, camaraderie was so much easier. We had like built like this family atmosphere by having everybody together and everybody helped each other with their projects and would go to lunch together and uh, you know, we that was something we funded, but also they would we knew that they would also go to dinner together or have drinks afterwards. And then you know, the pandemic like sends everyone home. Um and inevitably you start hiring more people throughout the pandemic, or at least we did. We were hiring, not firing, and our team continued to grow. And then you know, a couple of years go by and our team is now three X the size, and most of these people have never met each other in person and have like zero commodity. It was a really wild period for us. I mean, was that something that you experienced as well? Um, so for so I have multiple businesses, obviously. For for me, we definitely saw it in one of our companies. Um, I, I don't think it was much of an issue for us, to be honest. So even though we had an office and we had a fair chunk of people in an office, um, generally it was not as big as a thing. Obviously, from a management standpoint, what I always tell people is that uh, remote is very difficult if you're not a good manager, Mm -hmm. right? Because basically, there's things that you can make up for uh, being in person, like just small talk, conversations, et cetera, that, that, you know, that just happens when you're physically with someone else. Uh, I think if you're a good manager, if you're 
generally great at motivating your staff, there's definitely less of an impact, right? But but I saw with many of my management coaching clients that there was a lot of impact for some of them, right? Yeah. Like some of them really saw a bit there. We we didn't see a huge change to be honest. For for us, we definitely had people that worked in an office that was where it was a big mental challenge. And and reality is working from home just requires a different level of discipline from everyone. Yeah. Than it does working in an office, right? And we initially when we started out my my outsourcing company, which is manpower wise the biggest one, um. You know, we we mostly did the office because it was a good way to like train people. Like training someone face to face is very very different than training them in a remote. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Way, right. So, and that that was a big reason why initially we were we were having an office and all this sort of stuff. And um, honestly, when when the pandemic came, um, we actually had a, a bunch of people who didn't have computers at home, didn't have internet at home. Now, obviously, we had the computers in the office, and we would right. we would literally gift them the hardware, and we would we would uh, you know enable them to work from home with the hardware, and we would uh, we would bring someone to go back to their home, set it up for them, and uh, some of them needed to get internet as well; they didn't have internet previously, and so on. Right uh, now, this is obviously the Philippines. I, I know most yeah. places in the US, everyone probably have internet nowadays, right? Uh, but in the Philippines, that was not necessarily the case. Um, so we we definitely had employees where it took a little bit of uh, change and uh, difficult approach to get it set up. But I, I think company wise we were, we were doing well. I think the biggest thing I'm missing is we used to do more retreats and so on. Um, and again, we started again just like you mentioned. We started hiring all over the Philippines instead of as primarily in the area where our office was based. Right, and that's right. probably what made that thing the biggest challenge because. Obviously, from a business standpoint, if you need to fly people in from everywhere, that's obviously a different level of cost than you know if everyone is living next door to each other and you can you can go to a sort of semi-local spot and, and hang out with people and so on, right? So, so I think that was definitely that was definitely a, a bigger challenge to the whole sort of team culture in terms of again people meeting, but also just hanging out with people and and even me as a business owner, like being able to spend time with my team. Right. So I, I used to live a good part of my time in my life in the Philippines with, with the team, right? And um basically I had a year and a half where I couldn't enter the country. So that that's a long time when you're used that's to the store to them. Yeah. But I mean I was in this situation where I was lucky to have amazing managers and, and really, really great team, right? And and we did lose a few clients initially early on. We had a couple of clients that were in the travel industry and so on. Um, and obviously, they as soon as they saw COVID, they they shut down, right? Like they could see where it was going. And so we did have a hit early on, but luckily enough, we we did manage to keep majority of our staff um, through throughout the period because we we luckily had other income businesses and so on that 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 did very well through the pandemic and therefore you know needed to increase in size. So we, we were pretty fortunate about that. Um I certainly we, we had to let some people go, right? It was definitely not everyone that we that we managed to keep around, but uh, it, it could have been a lot worse, let's say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you mentioned uh Philippines. I mean we also have, as you know, a large uh large pool of people working in the Philippines for us as well. Uh, I've loved working with with our team there, they're just, uh, just the dynamic has always been great. Uh, but you talk about some of the challenges through COVID, uh, having them happen and go home for work. Uh, and so you mentioned having to make sure they have a computer to take home with them, which we had to do be, being able to get them internet at home, which we, we did. There's another whole set of circumstances. Like 
a lot of these guys are living with six, seven, eight, nine, sometimes 10 people under one roof. Uh, it's just constant commotion and chaos in there. So it's like hard to find a quiet spot to work from. Uh, oftentimes there's noise, what I would call noise pollution outside the the home, uh, whether that's chickens or roosters crowing to uh, just a bunch of traffic noises, uh, horns beeping or uh, whatever it might be, people fighting and screaming. Uh, there's a, there was a whole bunch of other things to to overcome uh, as well. And then, and then there was the other side of it. The, the few people that we had, that lived alone, uh, you know, who had gotten to a point where they were, you know, they had left their family uh, home and and were living on their own. Uh, the isolation was was brutal. You know, I mean, like they they were given a pass to leave once a week to go get groceries for a couple of hours, and otherwise they were they were stuck at home, you know, effectively in in jail, you know, in in, in solitary confinement, and it was it was a big struggle. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, totally, and, and and that's obviously a bigger struggle for some than for others. But obviously, when you've been used to living a normal right. life, some of them loved it. By the way, some people were like, yeah. "Oh, this is awesome! Like, I'm gonna read all my books now, and no one's bothering me." It's interesting how you know everyone has a different personality. Uh, Others, I mean, I guess eight personalities are so to choose from, and and one of the, one or two of those loves to be isolated. Yeah, yeah, and I I think a big thing as well is is just um, I mean, for, for for me, one thing is. The actual distractions around, which is difficult, but also if you haven't been used to it, or if the staff haven't been used to it, like the, really the discipline it takes, because it's so easy to go put on some washing, do some other things, and you know suddenly you're like, oh well, I worked eight hours, but in reality you probably worked five, right? Like that 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 happens so much easier at home. I I know that for myself when I first started working uh, yeah. online, right? Like like obviously as a business owner, you have a different level of skin in the game, but for, for people who are working, they can easily feel, hey, you know, it went from eight to five. I've worked, I've, I've been busy. Um, but but reality is the output might be a very different one, right? So, and, and this is also different from personality types, right? Like some people are extremely good at, at keeping the discipline and doing things where some people have a very difficult time. And particularly in a culture like the Philippines, right? If you're at home, your family's like, hey, you know, I know you're kind of working, but can you go do some groceries? Can you go do this? Can you go do this, please? And, you, you know, uh, in, a, in a culture where you don't say no to your parents or the elders, right. or whatever, uh, that that can be difficult to handle. And uh, we've definitely had some times where we had to help our staff out with with uh, helping to explain to their families that they were at home, yes, but they were actually working and they actually had a job. And if they weren't able to do that job, you know, they would get fired and the paychecks would stop coming. And we, we've definitely had some employees that have been literally asking for help to explain this to their families. And, uh, you know, that's definitely, again, a different culture. Like in the U.S., for example, like you, you wouldn't have to explain that to anyone, right? Like that, it's kind of natural. I don't know, man. I, uh, my wife's pretty good at giving me the honeydew list. You know, it's like honeydew this, honeydew that, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I better not do it. <laughs> but yeah. No, but that's... Uh, yeah, that I mean, different challenges, many different challenges, Mike. Um, what what what's some of the biggest challenges you've seen over the years? Like, if we take away from COVID, but just in, in general, sort of building up a team the way you've done it. I mean, you're up like some very large teams, right? So, what what's generally yeah. the the things you find being the biggest challenge as a business owner and managing and finding people and so on? I mean, for me, I just again, I I, I don't know what it is. I mean, I, I just I think that. Well, actually, I do know what it is. I, I'm, I'm very much a people person. 
uh, you know, I tend to, to to really care about people quite a bit and get invested in their in their lives. And I think I'm I'm finally at a point where I really just realized this. I'm kind of a little bit jaded, which makes me sad, but that uh, that you're not always going to get the same memory term. And that's something that's that's difficult for me. Where you, you know, you're you're thinking about your employees all day long and like how everything you do affects them and making sure that they're happy and uh, that that they're when they ask for something or they bring up a concern that you try to do everything you can to address it and produce the best work environment possible. And you do all this through through thick and thin. I mean, when it's you know feast time of the business, it's easy to do. When there's so much money going around, it doesn't really matter. Whatever you need, man. Like I'll just do it. But like when it's famine time, like it had been through a lot of these COVID years, um, you know, we continue to do a lot of these things, uh, even though it comes directly out of our pocket, and and we could even be losing money in the business just to make sure that the people are happy. And when you don't get the same in return, uh, it's it's very difficult. Uh, and I think a management consultant like yourself would would say, well, you can't allow yourself to to be in this position that this is that this is foolish. But it's also uh, difficult to to make someone be a completely different person than they are by by nature. And so I wrestle with these two things uh, quite a bit. But you know, I, I'm definitely at a point where um, you know it's just very very difficult to me from like the human capital point of view of uh, you know people are going to come and go. There's it's it's very difficult to uh, to avoid that. Uh, and no matter how hard you try, you know, their perception might be very different um, from, from where it is. And and the fact of the matter is they don't really owe you anything. Cause I mean, if the situation were reversed where you did have to let someone go because you just simply couldn't afford them anymore, you would give them no notice and maybe a couple of weeks severance. And so, um, you know, it's just kind of the way the world is. It's, it's harsh. Uh, business is harsh um, and unfair. And uh, you know, it's just one of these things you have to deal with. I I've always admired someone like a, a Bill Gates or like a, a Steve Jobs, um, you know, maybe an Elon Musk, these types of people that are all very well known that that start as employee number one with three or four people in the room in the garage. You know, someone like Bill Gates, it was like him and one other guy, you know, Steve Jobs, him and two other guys or whatever. Um, and they grow to a team of thousands or tens of thousands and are able to adapt at all the challenges along the way and build the proper management team and structure. Um, it's impressive. And I think, you know, part of it's luck, you know, part of it's that those first couple hires or that manager, um, you can put all the effort you want into it, but like, are they really on board? Are they going to, uh, are their life's goals and aspirations going to align with yours um, to be able to help you build that team? Um, you know, it's partially some of it's luck, you know, I think, you know, probably, you know, if, if Steve Jobs were still alive or if you could ask Bill Gates, I bet you they would say that, like, if it weren't for one, two or three or whatever of their first 10 employees, uh, they never would have got to where they are. You know, just and partially some of that's luck and circumstance and just uh, and times have changed a lot. You know, in, in 2022, I feel like things are very, very different in terms of people and their motivation and their work ethic than they were when I was younger. And I definitely feel like I'm turning in my parents when I'm like, you know, kids these days, um, cause it really is different. I mean, there, people say and do things to me as the boss or the owner of a company that I can't even fathom in a billion years is me saying or doing to my boss or my manager or the owner of the company that I work for 
back in, in 1998. Like it's just, yeah. I, I think that they would have literally hit me <laughs> and, and they would have got away with it. Cause you could do that then, even if it wasn't your parents, they just would have like hit me and fire me and, and, and literally just kicked me out of the freaking building. Um, and, and today it's almost like commonplace. You have to coddle people in, in such a different way. Uh, you know, so it's, it's interesting. Things have definitely changed it, it, and it's tough. I mean, I think at any point, if you ever ask me like, what the, what is the hardest thing of, of running a business? It's always going to be, the answer is always going to be people. Yeah, yeah totally. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with you. I think getting the right people on board early on is, is so critically important, right? And, and fundamentally, I mean, even with my management coaching clients, right? Like uh, a lot of them always ask me, when is a good time to start with coaching? And I'm like, well, when you start yesterday, people, <laughs> when you start hiring yeah. people, because because honestly, like the first couple of hires you get in, if you get the right people, it just makes such a huge difference, right? Like hundred percent, gigantic, Yeah, and and reality is, as you, I mean, you mentioned Musk and, and Jobs and uh, Bill Gates, right? And and reality is for them, it's I mean, that's a large part of luck because reality is, you know, they were young, they didn't know anything about management, they were not expert in managing or hiring people or whatever. So so I'm hundred percent sure that a, a large, large part of their success initially early on was first luck, right? Yeah. I'm I'm very impressed because the, the actual journey of developing in like coming from a, a sort of business owner, uh, I'm starting a company to becoming a, like actual CEO like Mark Zuckerberg, for example, like the change, the skills that he needs to learn, everything that he needs to grow and develop that that's freaking incredible that he had been able to do that at a speed where he had been able to keep up with the company like that. I, I know for myself how, how many years I spent learning to become a good leader and manager and, you know, just learning how to hire great people. I mean, that was not a, that was not an overnight success. Right. And yes, of course, when you start making money, you can hire people who are ahead of the game and, you know, can help you and support you and teach you and, and coach you and mentor you and all this. But, but, Honestly, it it that takes a lot of growth, right? And that's for me, that's impressive. Yeah, it's not as impressive with Mark Zuckerberg because he's really just uh, what is it, a titanium alloy with uh, skin over top of it. What was the with the Terminator? Uh, <laughs> he's like, <laughs> I don't know. That guy, obviously, I, I'm I'm kidding, but uh, he does seem robotic in some ways. But hundred percent, like I mean, you got a company of hundreds of thousands of people and, and the way that they've grown uh, like Facebook or not uh, in, in the thing, in the way that they've changed the world for the good and for the bad. I mean, that's irrelevant. I mean, it's a multi-billion dollar company that he was in the room by himself with three or four other people to start with or whatever, and was able to grow up from that to, to what it is today. And I, it, I mean, I'm, I'm always just so blown away by, by those individuals I was mentioning, because like, it's, I know how difficult it is. I know that I've never been able to get over that hump. Um, you know, because there's just, you, know, you look back, I can look back at, at things that I would have done differently and maybe would have been more successful. And I hope that if the opportunity comes around again, the next time that, that I'll do a better job, but um, you know, just being able to do it the first time around uh, is impressive. And I, and I do, again, I, I attribute a lot of it to luck. I think that um, it, it really is those, those early employees that, um, you know, come along for the whole ride that also can grow, um, that, that also get the vision and everything that you're doing and are, that are also equally bought in, um, the whole, you know, for that ride and, and can develop themselves because it's hard to bring 
at any point to bring someone completely fresh and new and in a C-suite role. Eventually, a lot of companies have to do it. All companies really have to do it at some at, at some point. But when you're doing it as a part of your first ten to twenty hires, it's it, it's really disruptive and very difficult to to keep everybody rolling in the same direction with the same excitement. Well, let, let's turn it around the other way around and say you only need one really bad hire in the beginning mm. to really screw things. Hundred percent. Yeah. Right. Like one bad person within your first ten hires one person that really have a bad attitude or they might have the technically the right skills and so on, right? Which, which is obviously what people hire for a lot in the beginning. Uh, until they understand it's, it's a lot less about skills, right? But 100%. Uh, one bad person can literally bring you down, right? No doubt. And the other thing that's really interesting is like, you might get along with them really well. Maybe they don't get along with just some other random coworker. They're just, you know, butting heads or whatever. Yeah. It's just, there's so many things that, that happen along the way. Um, that are that are just very very challenging, and and, and again, I, I try to put myself in their shoes and think about things from from every angle, and and a lot of it I I understand, but you know, as a business owner, it's it's very difficult. I mean, it's it's tough to uh, to assemble, a, you know, a really solid team from that perspective. Yeah, yeah, and I think I mean you mentioned Suck being talk about being kind of robotic, right? That's a challenge, right? Mm-hmm. People like, oh yeah, he's a machine, but I'm like. Yeah, and that brings difficulties. That brings like how you communicate to people. How are you actually right. making people like being around you, like working with you? Like if you're a robot and you're constantly like that's the biggest challenge as anything, right? So, so every every person, every personality, there's always strength and weaknesses, right? Like and and particularly on like in your college days or whatever, like when you're 20, 25 years old, like you don't know yourself, right? You you generally don't know a lot about what you're doing you're trying stuff you're testing stuff you're like hey what about doing this what about doing that and you know sometimes you're lucky sometimes you're not but but reality is that yeah it, it's it, it definitely takes a lot to be as successful as they are and I, again like you, you can always argue if the companies are good or bad but but in the end of the day most people if they could have a company like this, uh, they would they would happily take it. Right? But but very few people, if any, would be able to run them. Would be able to build the kind of success they've built. And yeah, that's yeah, what absolutely. Yep. So, Mike, it's been awesome podcasting with you. And any any particular resources that you've really loved, or any any resources that you would recommend for for people who are starting a business, getting into management, and, and hiring people, etc. That you found really useful. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, if this were a video podcast, you would see behind me on the on the shelf is this book uh, called Traction that I absolutely love. It's really been the thing that's changed our business and in my life more than any single book that I've read. Uh, not to sound dramatic, but it really has been that big of an impact. You know, it's interesting talking about management style and just businesses and luck or managing teams. Um, you know, I always had this problem of like, it didn't ever seem like we were always on the same page or like I wanted something in my mind and like the team, you know, didn't quite understand what I wanted or we would just have a lot of uh, instability and just other other factors in, in, within the company. And after reading Traction, it was just like one of these like massive aha moments of almost all of this was entirely my fault of, yes, it was in my head, but you know, I didn't do a good job of communicating our core values, just for instance, or making sure that we had the right people in the right seat, or that we were setting long-term goals that everybody knew what they were, that we were communicating quarterly goals uh, and, and just having goals in general that everybody knew what they were. 
uh, and we were all marching towards the same direction. Uh, and more importantly, that we established them and kept them. You know, one of the things that entrepreneurs, myself included, again, I'm throwing myself under the bus here, uh, entrepreneurs love to do is chase that shiny object of the day. Uh, especially someone like me, who's a very tech whiz bang kind of guy, some new technology comes out or some new piece of software or some other thing that I heard about at a conference or whatever. It's like, let's go try that. Let's go do this. Let's, you know, and, and then it's like, Hey boss, like what, what, what do you actually want me to work on today? What's the number one priority? You know, and, and uh, these are the types of things that we're constantly happening. And so, you know, now, uh, you know, I still, I think we have, there's always room to improve and things you can do better. But like, I look at how different things are now in the post-traction world for me, where, our entire team again knows our core values. I feel like we have the right people and the right the right seats. We have set you know three, four, five year goals depending on the business. We don't do the ten year goals that they mentioned on traction because we're not running a a big steel company. That's uh, you know it's a tech company after all, and things are are kind of fluid. But at least we we've set a vision that everybody knows where we're looking to be uh, in a few years, and they know what we're going to accomplish and. In 2023, when that rolls around, and they know what we're going to be doing in Q4 of, of 2022 or Q1 in 2023 when we set those goals. And we basically work in these 13-week sprints where people get their tasks and we leave them the hell alone to go accomplish them versus constantly pulling them in, in a bunch of different directions. And so I, I love that resource. I highly recommend it. I uh, can't thank uh, Gino enough for putting that book together. I was lucky enough to have him on my podcast and be able to personally thank him. It was a great moment in my life. Um, just think he's you know, done, done a huge service to the uh, entrepreneurial community by putting that book out. Yeah. Yeah. Also a huge, huge fan. Uh, definitely many of my clients and so on also utilize some traction. Um, yeah. I, I also like it a lot. Uh, a few things I do slightly different, but you know, again, uh, I, I think everything is always about, seeing and getting as many ideas into your head as you can and then absolutely out what works for you and so on but uh, yeah. i mean it's it's not a bible right i think yeah. it's you know you look at it and i don't also i also don't follow it exactly to to the letter um but we you know we've taken the vast majority of cons of the concepts in there and incorporate them in our business in the way that it fits us the best and i think that um it's absolutely at a minimum worth the read yeah. uh, and, and then go from there totally Fantastic, Mike. If uh, people are eager to connect to you, what's the best way to do so? Yeah, I uh, always direct people to uh, Ecom Crew, which is our podcast about uh, e-commerce. Um, and so support at ecomcrew.com or ecomcrew.com as the website, Ecom Crew on iTunes, Ecom Crew on all the uh, social media handles. You can reach out in those ways and it's E-C-O-M. C-R-E-W, but be happy to help you out. You can either DM me on EcomCrew on Twitter or send an email to support EcomCrew.com and be happy to answer any questions you have. Fantastic. Mike, thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely, man. It's always a pleasure. Thank you very much. And to the audience, we'll be back again next week. Thank you for hanging on all the way to the end. Thank you for listening to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Please leave a review. It means the world to us. You can also learn more about management at madsingers.com.